So first of all, I, I really believe the number one, number two, and number three thing you have to do is network. Okay. Network all day, all night, all the time. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you're bored. You must network. So with luxury, it's a different type of network. So you're going to be involved in a charity event, as an example. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can't afford the table at the charity event or even a chair at the charity event, ask to volunteer for the charity event. You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser, with Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. Thanks for tuning in as we uncover the stories of leaders in our industry. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 200 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. Yes, that's right. 200. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. I really never expected to get this far. Uh, and now that I'm here, I, I just really can't wait to see how far it'll go. And I wanted to have a special guest on episode 200, and I think I've accomplished that. I'm actually going to be talking to Dolly Lenz of Dolly Lenz Real Estate. Dolly's been in the business over 30 years in Manhattan and in New York in general, known as the queen of New York real estate. I'm really excited to get her story. Dolly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations. Amazing that you've done 200 podcasts. I don't know anybody else. That is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. It's, it's a passion. And mm -hmm. I think we'll probably find out in your story that if you're mm -hmm. passionate about something, mm -hmm. it's not so hard to keep going. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, mm -hmm. so let's, uh, I like starting at the beginning on, on my mm -hmm. podcast. And mm -hmm. the first thing I want to ask you is, uh, I see that you grew up, you're a native New Yorker. You mm -hmm. were born in the Bronx, grew mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about what that's like. I think you and I are roughly the same age. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about growing up in the Bronx back in the day. Well, uh, I would say looking back, it wasn't a pleasant experience. However, when I was living it, it was a perfectly fine experience. You really don't know what you don't have, right? Because you're not exposed to the other nice things. So if I ate a ketchup sandwich for dinner, because that's all there was, that was fine. I ate for dinner, you know? So it, it's interesting looking back how, wow, that's so different than I see it today. Right. I, I think that for just about everybody, we all have that same experience, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it was a mayonnaise sandwich, by the way. Mm -hmm. Not so much ketchup. I like ketchup and mayonnaise, by the way. <laughs> so we did have a choice. Right. Um, I prefer ketchup. All right, good. <laughs> Let's talk about you get into high school. Mm -hmm. And I imagine if you're in the Bronx, are you in a PS? Like, yeah. is there a PS number? It's called John F. Kennedy High School. So okay. it would be a P PS 132 was my elementary school. Okay. And then junior high school 143 and then John F. Kennedy High School. Let's go back to a 15-year-old Dolly. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about? What did you want to do? What was, it, what was that future looking like for you? My future was looking like I'm going to be someplace big. I wanted something big. I didn't know what it was or how it would look, but I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to help others. And I knew that took a lot of money. So what I did was I literally opened the New York Times, which was the paper of record, and it had an employment section, believe it or not, help wanted, a whole section, big, thick section, along with a thick real estate section. And I looked through there and I said, what makes the most money, swear to God, entry level? And it was accounting. And that's how I decided to major in accounting. And then, so you go off to, is it Baruch? Am I saying that yes. right? Yes. Well, first I went to Bronx Community College during high school. So yeah. during high school, I took courses. I, I went to school full-time. I actually worked full-time at Walbaums, which was a supermarket chain. And then I went to college at night, Bronx Community College, and accumulated, I don't know, 80 credits during high school and all accounting and business related. 
And so then, then when, you, when you head off to university, or uh, am I saying it right? Is it yeah. Baruch? Baruch College. Baruch College, yes. yeah. Like so, Bernard Baruch. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you go there. That's where you get your degree. Correct. Uh, City and, University College. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So they, that's the C-U-N-Y instead of the S-U-N-Ys Correct. that are the, mm-hmm. in the New York area. Which Good. means it's free. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So what was the first job then? You Did you get an accounting job directly out of school? Yes, got it. Accounting job directly out of school at a CPA firm, which I believe no longer exists. It was a medium-sized CPA firm. Then from there went to what's called a big eight CPA firm. And from there went on to be hired by a client, which was United Artists, uh, which was a pretty much a TV movie company. Right. Mm-hmm. And distribution this, primarily. Sure. And and we we still see a lot of United Artists today. Yes. I mean, they're around. They're a big company. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and this is where the, the fanboy in me has to have a brief moment mm-hmm. um, that a little birdie told me that you actually know from your work at United Artists that you actually got to meet Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I knew her. I mean, she was my client for 19 years, my friend. We went out to dinner all the time. She was such an inspiration as a human being. She was absolutely amazing to be with. She made me because without her, the press wouldn't have followed me. So it was just happenstance that I happened to have her as a client and the press followed me. Where are you going? Where are you taking her? I'm like, I can't tell you. <laughs> right. And they always wanted to find out so that they can go there and take pictures, you know, right. the paparazzi story. So without her, I'm not sure where it would have been. She made wow. me. Wow. That, mm-hmm. That's awesome. You are in accounting at the time you met her, yes. but somehow mm-hmm. you, you get into the world of real estate. Mm-hmm. So where does, let's talk about that story. What mm-hmm. happens? What was that trigger that, that got you there? Well, while I was an okay accountant, it was only okay. Like I saw that my husband had this incredible passion. He would bring home the spreadsheets and look at them and rejigger them and be so interested in how to project a number out to next year. And I'm like, I don't really care. (laughs) I'm doing this job, but I'm just doing a job, you know? And he said, you know what? Every day you are walking. We we, we had purchased um, a studio apartment for ourselves And it was, I forget how much it was, $57,300, I believe. And he said, you know, you did all the work when we bought that apartment. You did all the work when we bought the second apartment. You did all the work when we bought the third apartment. Why aren't you doing that job? You know, the brokers didn't find it for you. They didn't negotiate it for you. They didn't do anything for you. You should be doing that job. They got the whole check. And if you add up those three checks, it's more than your salary. So I said, oh, okay, I'll try. And so... I took all the coursework to become a a realtor, and I was looking for someone to affiliate with as a broker, and it was was very difficult because you had to get them to pick up your license or you couldn't be a broker. Went to 29 firms. Um, I was Hispanic. I was obese. Didn't wear makeup. Didn't care really how I looked. And I guess it, it wasn't the image, and especially in New York, snooty New York real estate, which this was at the time, and still to some degree maybe, no one would hire me. And then finally I had an interview with, at the time, Barbara Corcoran, who was a tiny mom-and-pop rental brokerage. And some somebody introduced me and she said to me, let me just put you out of your misery, Dolly. No one is going to hire you. And I said, well, why isn't anybody going to hire me? I mean, I have, I have a master's degree. I, I was top of my class. I have a very good paying job. You know, I'm, I'm an accountant. I don't understand why is no one going to hire me. And she said, because of the way you look, she says, you, you, you weigh 200 pounds. 
She said, you're obese, um, you're Hispanic, what, what, no one is going to hire you. Of course, she couldn't say that today. Correct. No one's going to hire you. Stay in accounting. You're obviously good at that. Just keep that track. I said, no, it's not going to be your way. It's going to be my way. I didn't tell her. But I obviously went to my next interview even more emboldened, did get hired by that 30th uh, group. And within the first six months, I made an excess of $300,000. And we're now talking probably 1984. Wow. So that was a fortune of money. That It still is, but certainly then it was a fortune. And I was fortunate that I was a worker. So I was a studio queen. No one wanted to show a studio. No one wanted to sell a studio. There wasn't enough money to be made in studios. But I said, hey, nobody wants to do this. I'm going to do this. Right. I did it. And... I churned it and burned it, you know, day and night. So I was very fortunate. What was the name of your first brokerage? J. Rodman Realty. Wow, that's mm -hmm. great. Still around? No. No? no. <laughs> that's a while ago, 1984, right? So. Yeah, it's not why it's not around. They're not around because he went to jail for cocaine trafficking. Okay, mm -hmm. was that while he was running the brokerage? Well, it must have been another room. I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So I know later in your career, you end up working at Sotheby's, yes. right? Real mm -hmm. estate. And they then they recruited me. Okay. So I was at J. Rodman Realty. The head of Sotheby's, who happens to be at that time, was Stuart Siegel, who now owns Engels and Volkers in New York mm -hmm. and maybe elsewhere. He was the head of Sotheby's and he came literally knocking on my door to recruit me. And you know, over time, I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And off I went. So you're there for, for quite a while, but then yes. uh, someone else... I believe it was 11 years. Someone else comes calling. Yeah. So Andrew <laughs> Farkas, billionaire who owned Douglas Solomon at the time, came and recruited me from Sotheby's. And he didn't tell me this at the time, but he was looking to sell Douglas Solomon. And A, we want to make the numbers look better. So we want to bring in big brokers who have big results, mm -hmm. but he also wanted me to help him sell the company. So I did find the ultimate buyer, which was Prudential. Okay. And so you, you took on a management role there. Yes. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that part of it. I was you, already management in Sotheby's. Okay. So you're yes. already comfortable with that. You yes. were, you were well, recruiting. I was, I was selling, but I was management because I did all international for Sotheby's. Remember it was then when they... It was the auction house Sotheby's, not yeah. the franchise Sotheby's. Right. So they've they've now. It's funny how you have Sotheby's. We have. Right. Uh, there's a couple of others that that uh, it's a a place to put your art. Right. Yes. You need yes. a nice place to. Well, it was genius. Yeah. I mean, think about it. What was more natural than to have the place to put the art? Literally, right? Literally. I've had clients tell me. I said, "Well, why did you buy this apartment?" They said, "Well, I had a twenty-five million dollar painting. Where was I going to put it?" Wow. Literally. Finally, mm -hmm. around 2013, mm -hmm. you say, mm -hmm. why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. I, I want to be on my own. I yeah. want to control everything I've got. Mm -hmm. And you open up Dolly Lens Real Estate. Let's talk about that decision, that mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. Correct. That, that's how it worked. I actually wanted to do it for a long time, but I had contracts in place that I couldn't leave sooner okay. or I would have done it sooner. Okay. So as soon as I could, I did. And, you know, it's, it's been wonderful because then you really do what you want, when you want, your own vision, no one to ask. You know, no one can say, no, you can't appear on that TV show. You mm -hmm. can't be in that movie. You can't write that book. You know, it's, it's, you're doing what you see as best for you and your agents. Right, mm -hmm. right. You work in, I want to call it the ultra luxury market. That's really, because there's luxury, but yeah. then there's this whole other level that exists pretty much in New York and I'm sure back in California oh, as well. It's sure. just these two different levels. Mm -hmm. You talked about the fact that you had to protect 
kind of your relationship with Barbara. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the whole privacy issue for you when you're dealing with customers because you're dealing with high profile people mm -hmm. who might not want to let other people know what they're doing or who <laughs> or what's going on the right? very rare one wants to let other people know and by the way we also facilitate that so we have wonderful relationships with the press and if someone did want people to know that they were selling they were buying or whatever it is they wanted them to know we could help them with the storyline slip that out there mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. early in your career did you ever make a mistake there did you ever slip you know, that, is there not, something in not, your mind that you can think of? many times, but not about that. Okay. No, and I actually want to tell you a quickie story sure. about Barbara Streisand. Sure. So we viewed, toured many, many properties. Some she went to contract on, some she didn't. But there was one particular one um, where she didn't happen to buy it. It was a guy named Mr. Unger, I'll never forget. And we're talking about probably 1985. And he was 271 Central Park West. It was a penthouse. And... She walked in. I told him I was bringing her because I had to. He said, who are you bringing? I said, oh, well, Barbara Streisand, but don't tell anybody. He said, no worries. And I bring him, her, and he gets on his hands and knees, and he starts singing to her, people, people who need people. I swear to God, for five full minutes, which was an eternity, oh I thought, gosh. talk about a mistake. I thought she was going to murder me. I said, he loves you. What's wrong with love? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we continued touring, but that was a real moment to the song standpoint of I, Barbara. Yeah. Everybody loves Barbara. My friends know right now. I've got a smile on my face. I yeah. won't leave for a while. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> and everybody loves Barbara. Every time I went to dinner with her, there wasn't a single time where someone next to us at another table, no matter where we were, would come over to me and say, can you help me out? Can can you let me say hi to her? I'm like, I don't I don't control her her schedule. Right. I said, but maybe you should let her finish her meal. But it was always that. It was it's amazing how she is revered in the world. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah. For an agent who's working in their in their their town, somewhere mm -hmm. anywhere in the country, mm -hmm. maybe they're working with someone who's high profile in that town. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you were to give them some advice about working with that high profile client, that mm -hmm. um, what would you tell them? I would tell them, be very cautious about who you tell what to, including pillow talk, okay? It really has to be, you are their fiduciary in most states, and I, I'm learning that Florida is not the case, but in most states you're the fiduciary, and therefore you really have to take that seriously and protect them in every way possible, including from the press, including from snooping eyes that might be competitors, including from anything. So always think, how would I want to be treated and do that for them? Right. We're recording this episode prior to the Inman Connect event in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. The first time in Las Vegas. Will you be attending in I Las Vegas? I can't do this okay. one, but yes. Mm -hmm. But you're at a lot of them. I've seen yes. you on stage. All, all you've you've, done, you've done a lot of presentations. I love yeah. So let's mm -hmm. talk about how you met Brad. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe you might have a story you can share about Brad. That would sure. be awesome. So, gosh, I'm trying to remember how long. It's, it's a long time. It's got to be 10 years. It might be... 15, I'm not even sure. Mm -hmm. I met Brad in New York on Central Park South in a restaurant. Um, we were having dinner, and he was just fascinating. You know, he was explaining to me what happens across the country, how other brokers do business. So I'd been around the world, but actually not at that time across the country in brokerages, other than the Prudential, you win the award thing. Mm -hmm. None of the others had I been to. I wasn't you know, interested in doing business in California or doing business, he opened me my eyes up to, you know what, Dolly, you're losing a lot of money by not having a connected broker in Cali you know, in Los Angeles, in 
here and there, you should have a go-to person you refer your business to. If you come to Inman with me, I will show you all the people you should be doing business with, the like-minded people, mm -hmm. and you will rake it in. He was so right. Wow. And we've raked it in ever since. You know, I think that um, you might be one of the main reasons possibly or part of the reasons that, that Luxury Connect exists, right? Because oh, Luxury Connect is my very my personal very Right. Yeah. Because at the at the big connect events, mm -hmm. which which I, I absolutely love. Yes. It's definitely for um, New York is it's my for favorite, a different sorry. level. Well that makes sense. New York is my favorite, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're staying yeah. at home every yeah, night. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's for a, a crowd that's you know all across the whole you know kind of the whole um, spectrum yes. of real estate. But boy at the Luxury Connect event in Beverly Hills, I yes. think at the Beverly Hills Hotel, if yes. I remember right, yes. that's got to be, for the people that work in that world, that's got to be a great event. Great event. Actually, I, I mean, I don't want to make everything about money. It sounds awful, but <laughs> I've made the most money off Luxury Connect because that's where, you know, you meet a Rainy Williams of Williams and Williams in Hilton and Highland. And, you know, she says, oh, you know what? I have somebody looking in New York. You have five minutes? Come over to the corner. I'll put you on the phone. You get on the phone. You know, three months later, you're each collecting a check for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Not a bad deal for wow. five minutes of work on the corner, right? And, right. of course, the later follow-through. But she would never have given it to me. Right. You know, it would have been some other source that she would have gotten. So it all works out really well. That's just one that happened at the last Luxury Connect. So it, it works that way. It really works. I meet you. I say hello to you. You know, we kind of have a little bit of a connection, at least to start. And then I've got to follow through. You've got to follow through. But if we all do that, you're going to make money. There's no possibility you're not. Right. And especially now where everything is so transparent for clients that they really need a reason that you're somebody's friend. You're not just some broker they picked off, you know, a site. Right. Mm -hmm. Let, let's talk about some of that work you've done at Inman. You've been on panels before. Mm -hmm. yes. You've also run panels. Yes. Um, and this question comes I up. I ran Luxury Connect for them. Oh, awesome. The whole Luxury Connect. Mm-hmm. This question always comes up from people that are interested in getting into the luxury market. How mm -hmm. do I break into the luxury market? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to do that? There are many ways okay. to do it. Okay. So first of all, I, I really believe the number one, number two, and number three thing you have to do is network. Okay. Network all day, all night, all the time. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you're bored. You must network. So with luxury, it's a different type of network. So you're going to be involved in a charity event, as an example. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can't afford the table at the charity event or even a chair at the charity event, ask to volunteer for the charity event. Tell them you'll do whatever it takes for them to give you a seat at the charity event. You'll get to meet the people who go to this. You'll get to say to them, hi, you know, I, I'm a realtor. I work in this market. You know, if you ever have any needs, I'm happy to come over and give you an opinion of value on your home. You have to get in their, quote, pants, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way. I find that... Charity is one of the absolute best ways because most people at charity events can afford to be at a charity event and that means they have money to give away, right? And those are perfect people to meet. There are many, many other ways to do it, but I find if you're just doing one thing, I do that. If you're doing multiple things, I find it's very helpful to help a local newspaper. See a trend in your neighborhood that someone else hasn't seen like condos are selling for a higher price in square foot than they had been, or the higher floors are selling first and usually the lower floors sell first, or, you know, come up with a trend, write the story, pitch it to your local newspaper, then keep doing that. They'll run the story. They'll probably quote you if they're smart because you'll keep doing it, and then you'll get a reputation. You will get tons of calls from that 
you're different than everyone else. It's differentiation. By being in the newspaper, you're different. Right. Being in a magazine, call your local version of the New York Times, call CNN, call every place and try to get on with a story. And that's something you've kind yes. of mastered, right? You, yes. well, you've <laughs> yeah, mastered as a matter of opinion, but yeah, yes. I mean, you know, I, I do that literally every day. I think of a story, I pitch it to somebody. So whether it's going to be on air, whether it's going to be in a newspaper, whether I try to help all the journalists that I know with their stories. And of course, 90% of that is not ever going to have my name in it. But when I want my name in it or need my name in it, you know, they kind of owe you. I've done 90% of your research for you. Right. Help me out. That's lead generation for you. Yeah. Right? Totally. You're, you're not yeah. buying leads online. No, your lead I'm generation mm -hmm. comes from these activities yes. that are a, a way to make people aware of you. Mm -hmm. So the, the inbound traffic, we'll yeah. call it, like yeah. you hear at all conferences, yeah. your inbound traffic are people who go, I've heard Dolly on air. I want to I talk to her. Yeah. And they you reach be, out to you. You'd be surprised how many direct deals I have gotten from either being in a newspaper or on TV. Right. W without a question. And and that's not just limited to somebody who's selling high dollar properties in no. Manhattan. That no. can, anyone can do that around the country. No. And then, right. And then they're saying to me, you know what? I have a great property in Detroit. Well, I have a friend in Detroit. I'm definitely giving you to her. And please, she'll take care of you because she knows we, we all have this very high standard together. Mm -hmm. And I know you'll be taken care of well, so I'm not ruining my reputation by giving you to her. Right. So as an example, and this is exactly, and that's why Inman is so great. So the girl in Detroit, I met at Inman, right? I wouldn't necessarily ever come across someone who lives in Detroit as a primary residence. So it's, it's interesting. And, and 200, 300, 500 million, two deals are great deals. And it keeps you going. It keeps that whole Rolodex that we keep going. So we keep adding and adding and adding names, brokers, realtors, clients, Everything. You're coming back to that networking word, word again. The it's, two degrees of separation that we really all are right, in the end. Right. I know Manhattan is probably your mm -hmm. sweet spot, but mm -hmm. do you sell all like out the island? You know, the Hamptons? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. So you're all over Hamptons. those places. Yes, okay. all over. Long Island, the Hamptons. Uh, we have two amazing estates right now in Long Island. We have an estate coming up in the Hamptons. We, we refer tons to California because okay. we've developed those relationships. So it depends on the market. But yes, we're, we really have, and Tiffany, right? So we really have um, some place that we want to trust someone with our really, our children. Right. Our clients are our children. I want to ask you like a real tech question. Mm -hmm. Do you do you use a CRM? Do you use something to track all those relationships, or is it is it a, okay, is so a little black book? We well, it is a for us. It's more a little black book plus okay. a Rolodex, and I and I and I do distinguish them. The little black book has more information in it, right? Okay. So the Rolodex really has the name, the email address, the phone number, you know, whatever. The little black book has stories, right? Because you're never going to remember. 500,000 people. So you have to have a little story. Well, I met him there and he owns here and his wife does this. So that's the little black book part. Um, and the other part would be just a Rolodex. So, so when we want to get something out, a mailing, we know, okay, so this is the VVIP Rolodex. This is the second level tier Rolodex, third tier Rolodex. Gotcha. And that's how you're, so really it's a CRM. It is. It's the but same thing. We personally, and maybe that's just me, We've been afraid to use it, for example, a Salesforce, a packaged, because we don't want to give our very VVIP names and addresses and details to anyone. We're really afraid they'll be hacked. And think about mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't, I, I tell this to people all the time, it doesn't really matter 
um, how you track what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You just got to track it. Right. And you're doing it. Yeah. But, but because of this privacy issue. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes perfect sense. So we're again, keeping it very close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to ask you, you talk, we mentioned charities a little bit ago mm -hmm. and you are heavily involved. I think mm -hmm. police athletic league is yes. in, I think I saw because that. I was right. I was a child of police athletic league. So I, can you talk about that? Sure. What does that so, mean? Cause I, I've heard of the police athletic league forever mm -hmm. as you know, it's something that's a, a very New York kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. So it is basically inner city children who have nowhere to go after school. So at 3 p.m. or whatever time school ends, you are a latchkey kid, as I was a latchkey kid. And what that means is that you go home and you lock your door behind you so nobody comes in and steals you. Right. And I was very fortunate in that we got a police athletic league when I was 9 or 10, and I was able to go after school to the police station literally, which is where it was then. And they would give me tomato soup, uh, Campbell's tomato soup, mmm, bueno, <laughs> and grilled cheese sandwiches. And to me, this is all, I swear to God, this is my vision of love, a grilled cheese sandwich and Campbell's tomato soup. That's awesome. And loved it. And so I want to pay it forward that other kids who also were in that situation I was, right? So that was my dinner that, that really beat ketchup sandwiches, let me tell you. And I was so happy, and my parents were so happy, they felt I was, you couldn't be safer than a police station. So I want to pay it forward, so I, I have worked with them for a very long time. I got on the board uh, five or six years ago, and it's a wonderful organization that really it's all about children, and all about getting those children to their highest and best by giving them support. Because you find, you know, now it's evolved. It wasn't evolved when I was there, but now it's evolved. So now we see someone is losing their way, you know, we try to put them on a better path. We try to get somebody a part-time job. Things that might enhance an individual's life. And, of course, we have the Christmas party where everybody gets a present. You know, nice. we didn't always have presents when we were little. So it's nice to get a present at Christmas, no matter how small. Yeah, that's great. Are there any other charities that you'd like to talk about that you work with? Yeah, I was involved. Um, I was on the board of Lincoln Center. You know, lots of great charities. Mount St. Vincent College I'm on the board of now. And I love Mount St. Vincent. They're doing an amazing job because they have a group that they're taking care of where they pay for all their tuition. These were all ex-substance abusers, mm -hmm. and all of them, homeless and or substance abusers, and they take care of them. They rehabilitate them. They give them a mentor. They, it, it, it is an amazing to see the difference between the kid that goes into that program and the kid that comes out is completely different. Again, it's like a pal story only on a university level. Right. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, Dolly, I've taken a lot of your time oh, no, up here. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, oh, I have one last question. Yes. Though. It's the same question I've asked every guest. So uh -oh. here you go. If you could give no. one, <laughs> oh, that, that's no, an no, appropriate yeah. answer. <laughs> if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? It is a lot harder than it looks. Work very hard. Be credible. I think the biggest thing people forget is people are looking at you as someone who's supposed to know more than just opening the door and saying, here is the kitchen. I mean, anybody could do that. A robot could do that. My, my baby doggy could do that. So you better be a lot better than that. You better know stats. You better know data. You better know your stuff. If you don't know your stuff, you're going to be weeded out. Know your stuff. Learn it cold. Nice. Mm -hmm. Dolly, thank you so much thank for you. your I time. So appreciate oh your my gosh. Thank no, you so thank much. you. It was thank a you. it was a wonderful time. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye, dear.